I want to give you a couple of keys. That, that, you know, most of you know that I've been fasting for the last 26 days or 27 days. And uh, I'm doing a 38-day fast. I'm done next week on Sunday morning. I can eat. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, if you haven't noticed, I lost a lot of weight. Um, I lost 26 pounds so far. So Hallelujah. like a pound a day. So it's good. I should fast more often because I should just stay fasting. My wife likes me better when I'm fasting. Yeah, she's nicer to me. She smiles when I walk in the door. Um, um, but, you know, when I fast, I go through a lot of things. The first thing, I, the, the, one of the primary things I go through is, and I was just explaining this to Pastor Gabe, that I kind of, I walk through like a dark place for a while. You know, when you think about seeking the face of the Lord, what, the way we think about it is the moment I set my heart to the Lord, the heavens open and the, the rain falls and the oil flows and angels come and I start having visions and dreams and it's nothing like that. Typically, when you first set, and even if there is this burst in the beginning, you're going to walk through what's called a dark night. John of the Cross, the medieval mystics talked about things like this, the dark night of the soul, where the soul feels aban abandoned by God. And I went through all kinds of junk. I was attacked by all kinds of fear. and all, I had to wade through all of this garbage. And then all of a sudden, I came into this clearing last week. And it really broke through for me last week on Thursday, my birthday. I woke up Thursday morning and I had sheer joy. Sheer joy. It was amazing. And joy became clarity. All of a sudden I just had clarity. Even with my dissertation, like I've been having dreams every night that my doctoral supervisors come to me. But in my dream he comes and says, don't worry Benjamin, you got this. You know? And he gives me strategies and he gives me tips and he gets, you know? And he always says something good. In every dream, he comes to me and says something. To me, that's just a sign of the grace of God. But one of the, one of the things that, that the Lord has spoken to me so clearly is that in this next season, from now on, it's no longer about my ministry anymore. I felt like the Lord said, son, your ministry has come to an end. It's about your ministry now. And my only job now is to prepare you and send you. It's not about me doing it. It's about you doing it. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The, the, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, um, I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about the, the pastor from the ark who texted me and said, my son is having hallucinations and convulsions and his fever is 106 and all of this stuff. And I texted him back. I just felt the anointing come and I texted him back and said, you have full authority to lay your hands on your son and heal him. Go lay hands on him right now. He went in the room and laid hands on his son, and he was healed. And he went right to sleep and slept all night, was completely well. Now, in the old season, I would have said, I'm going to go in my room and cry out for your son right now. I'm going to pray for your son. Can I come over and pray for your son? I'm going to come over to your house and lay my hands on yours. In the old season, it would have been about me doing it. But the Lord said, no, 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 no. Don't you pray a prayer for his son. You send him to do it. You empower him to do it. It's a season. Somebody called me and said, my wife is sick. I said, you have full authority to go lay hands on your wife and heal her. I'm not laying hands on your wife. I'm sending you to do it. I'm sending you with the authority to do it. It's your ministry. 
And even when I do preach or minister, I'm going to do a, still do a lot of ministry and a lot of preaching, but it's all about equipping the saints for the works of ministry. Now, let me tell you why that's important, because what the Lord has shown me is that this house is going to multiply exponentially. There's going to be thousands of people. But that means that the 200 people that are here right now, every single one, you got to see yourself as the ministry staff. Not the attenders, not even just servants in the house. you got to see yourselves as the pastors. I, I um, Man, it's so cold in here. <laughs> Say amen. Say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, ooh, that's good revelation. You're talking now. Come on, talk. I'm not talking about physically cold. I'm talking about everybody just sitting there looking at me like deer in the headlights. Come on, wake up. Take the pulse of the person next to you. Somebody... Okay. I had a meeting last week on Wednesday with the executive pastor of a church of 4,000 members. It was 7,000 members, but they had a, a downfall. Something happened. But he said something to me. He said, Benjamin, our church was 250 people for eight years. And then it went from 250 to 500 in the next year. And then it went from 500 to 1,000 the next year. And then 1,000 to 2,000, and then 2,000 to 4,000, and then 4,000 to 7,000, and it finally evened out over 7,000 people. In six years, we went from 250 to 7,000 people. But this was the problem. Good. I heard some come-ons. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Let your neighbor say, do that, do that, say that, say that. <laughs> he said, but this was the problem. He said, when the wave hit us, it nearly wiped us out because we had 250 people, but we had not trained those 250 people. That 250 people should have been able to step into positions of authority. We should have, that, they should have been the staff. He said, by the time we had 7,000 people, we had a staff of 120 full-time employees. But we had to look to Fuller Seminary and Dallas Theological Seminary and this place and that place to get the people. And when we got the people that we hired, they didn't have our heart, they didn't have our teaching, they didn't have our vision, they weren't sons and daughters of the house. And he said, and it was so prophetic, he said, if what's getting ready to happen in your house is what I think is getting ready to happen, the most important thing you can do is make sure you are discipling your leaders and teaching your people that they are the next crop of pastors and leaders in the house and that they better get ready because they're going to have to care for some folk. Listen, if you've been here for more than a year, you should be able to teach by now. If you've been here for more than a year, I should be able to give you the microphone and you should prophesy in a moment's notice. If you've been here for at least a year, I should be able to give you the pulpit on Sunday morning and you should be able to bring fresh revelation from the throne of God. If you've been here for more than a year, I should be able to put people under you and say, disciple them and you know exactly what to do. If you've been here for a year, you should get it. Now, if you were here Sunday morning and you heard the message I preached, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You need to get a copy of that message and listen to it and listen to it and listen to it until you got it down. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You have to be prepared to be sent in a moment's notice. That's how we define leadership here from now on. You're prepared to be sent in a moment's notice. 
In a moment's notice, if I say, Lorenzo, a boy is sick over at Children's Hospital. I'm sending you to Children's Hospital. Go lay hands on him and heal him. You be ready to go. Your response is, I'm going right now. Your response, even on Sunday morning, I might grab you and say, go lay hands on her over there. You be ready. If I grab you and pull you up to the altar and say, prophesy over her right now, you be ready. This is what it means. It means we learn to function as an army. What do I mean by function as an army? When the, when the commander in the army says, attend hut, everybody, attention. If he says left face, everybody turns left at once. If he says forward march, everybody marches forward. If he says halt, everybody halts. We've got to be able to function that way. Let me tell you what I'm talking about specifically and how it applies to leadership in this house. First of all, the prayer culture of the house. We must shape the prayer culture of the house. If I say, go into intercession, what tends to happen when I say, everybody intercede for this, everybody takes about five minutes to get warmed up. I didn't say meditate. I didn't say contemplate. I didn't say reflect on this. I said intercede. Now, intercession is loud, boisterous, and braggadocious. Intercession is, is fervent, and it's intense. The scripture says, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If it's going to avail much, it's got to be fervent and effectual. So when I say intercede for this, what I want is immediate, fervent, and effectual prayer. Don't get warmed up. You're already warmed up. You come to church warmed up. You get up early before the Sunday morning service and come warmed up. You get, you get here 30 minutes before the Thursday night service and get in a prayer closet somewhere and get warmed up so that you're ready to go at a moment's notice. You be ready. You know what I learned a long time ago is that whenever I walk into any church, I'm ready to preach. Nine times out of, 99 times out of 100, I don't have to. But that one time that I do, I better be ready. And when I walk into any church, I'm ready to prophesy. I'm ready to prophesy. You've got to have it in your mind that you can be called upon to speak the word of God at any time. You must be instant, in season, and out of season. It's in season when I tell you a week ahead of time you're going to preach next Sunday. But that's no excuse for not being prepared if you don't get that. I should be able to grab you on your way in the door Sunday. I should be able to get up during announcements and say, and now our dear sister is going to come preach the word of the Lord. And you're ready to go. I should be able to hand you the microphone and say, prophesy, and you've got a word from the Lord. You're ready to go. If I say, go into adoration and worship, your mouth should open and songs should come out in a moment. In a moment, without hesitation, without needing to get warmed up, without needing to get prayed up, without needing to get saved and repent of your sins and come back from your backsliddenness. In other words, my job is to send you, but your job is to go. You, but that means if you're going to be sent, you've got to be ready to go in a moment's notice. You've got to be ready to lay hands on the sick. I want to see people, I want to see our leaders especially coming through that door, raring and ready to go. Release me to prophesy. I want our leaders to be coming up to me during services and saying, I got a word. Can I release it? Please 
give me permission. Paul said to covet to prophesy. Do you covet to prophesy? Do you covet to prophesy? It's a command. Like, do not commit adultery. That's a command. Covet to prophesy. It's a command. Meaning, want it intensely. Want it intensely. I want you to come to church. I, used, I remember I used to come to church and I would be sitting there going, man, I wish I was the pastor. <laughs> I got a word. I used to go stand up next. I remember, especially when I was in college, I was so full of the word of the Lord, I would walk into any church and go stand next to the pastor and go, I got a word. I got a prophetic word for your house. If you feel it's appropriate, I'll release it. If not, I'll hold it, no problem. But just want you to know, I got a word. And then I go back to my seat. <laughs> I'm ready to go. It's biblical. Paul said, covet to prophesy. Covet, because listen, if you don't understand that you are responsible for the things of the Spirit, you'll never enter into them. If you're waiting for God to drop something in your lap, it'll never happen. But if you get jealous for the things of the Spirit, you'll begin to lay hold of them one by one. And you'll find, I don't care what your personality type is, yeah, I'm a quiet person. When the Spirit of prophecy comes on you, you'll rage like a lion. <laughs> I remember seeing a real quiet lady prophesy one time. She came, she said, I think I have a word. When she started prophesying, the Lord saith unto I mean, she just started raging. And she was like, afterwards, she was like, whoa, was that really me? And the answer is no. <laughs> it wasn't you. I like it. The Lord spoke to me the other night. The night before last, the Lord spoke to me. And this is what he said. I've commanded you to heal the sick. It's a command. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he commanded them to heal the sick. He didn't suggest it. He didn't tell them to reach for it. He didn't tell them to try. He said, when you enter the city, heal the sick that are there. Jesus said to me, if you don't heal the sick in your congregation, you're in rebellion. Heal them. You're responsible for it. You've got to get it in your mind and heart that you are responsible for miracles. You are responsible to walk in the power of God. You are responsible, responsible to be so prayed up that if you meet somebody on the street that God has destined you to meet, that you're ready to lay hands on them and see them get healed. I don't care what you think your gifts are. You are responsible to walk. I want you, you've got to be ready you got to be ready. If I call you to the altar and release you to lay hands, you got to be ready. you got to be ready. you gotta, you got to lay hold of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and be ready to impart it to people. you got to be ready to be sent in a moment's notice. My job is not to lay hands. My job is to send you to lay hands. My job is not to pray for the sick. It's to send you to pray for the sick. My job is not to pray. And this is the key. In this next season, we're learning that the church, this church, is not called to be an evangelism center. I never had so much clarity on this before in my life. You are the evangelists, not me. 
My job is to train you to go out and get them. And this is how evangelism typically takes place. I'd like to invite you to my church. Now, I've searched the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments. But I don't see anybody inviting anyone to church. I don't see Jesus saying, go into all the world and invite them to your church. Your job is not to invite people to church. It's to invite them to know Jesus. And when they know Jesus, then you bring them to church. And if somewhere in the process they want to visit your church, great, but you will not make that the goal. Too many Christians think, well, I brought them to church. That's enough. I got them. But they still don't know Jesus. The scripture says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Daily. Now they worship, their big worship service was the Lord's Day, Sunday. If the Lord is adding to the church daily, that means that the individual believers are out there leading people to Christ every day. So I'm, my job is to empower you to reach people for Christ. You are the evangelists. You are the pastors. You are the prophets. You are the healers. You are the ones with working of miracles. All of the gifts are in you. They're in you. The gifts, they're out here. My gift is simply apostolic, and all the apostolic does is it sins. It sins. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to go. And you're going in full authority. That's my job, to send you. Now, um, we're going to talk a lot more about that. You know what the Lord has laid on my heart for this season is that the goal is not to hit 10,000 by March. It's not the goal of this ministry. We're not going to subscribe to the Big Bang Theory anymore. There's going to be a Big Bang, and 15,000 people are going to join the church. And how are they going to come? An angel from heaven is going to descend and, and, and direct them in like, Moses, like Noah and the ark, right? They're just going to come into the ark like the animals. It's not going to happen. I'm not even looking for that. Honestly, I mean, if God does that, all right, that's his business. But that's not what we're looking for. You know what we're looking for? We've got 118 people on the membership right now, on the membership list right now. I want to see 236 within one year. But you know where I want that, two, that other 118 to come from? Every one of those 118 goes out and gets one. Just one. Just one person. <laughs> And leads them to Christ. I'm not looking for a whole bunch of church transfer growth. Although that will happen. But that's never a part of our vision. That's not our goal. You're not going to find anywhere in the vision statement of our church. Our church is here to provide a safe place for people who are leaving other churches. That happens. And sometimes people do need a safe place who are coming from other churches. And we welcome everybody. We receive everybody. Matter of fact, a lot of y'all came from other churches, most of y'all. And I'm cool with that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I ain't got a problem with that. But our vision and our mission is to reach people for Christ. Because you know what happens? If somebody leaves that church and comes to this church, this church grew, but the kingdom didn't. The kingdom is no bigger than it was. But when somebody who doesn't know Christ turns to Christ, that's kingdom growth, not just church growth. And we exist for the growth of the kingdom, not the local church. 
Because Jesus, he somehow knows everybody that's a part of his body. <laughs> Even if they change churches, he still knows that nothing changed. <laughs> uh, I guess I found that funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so uh, kingdom growth. So that's, I want to see 236. And if the Lord grants growth above that, wonderful. And then the next year, I want to see 472. Because I want all of those 236 to go get one person. And then the next year, I want to see 944. In other words, the most important thing we do is teach our people how to reproduce. How to reproduce. Now, um, next year, I'm already living in next year, by the way. I'm already there. It, next year's already begun. So I'm giving you the theme now before we give it to the whole church. Now, nah, forget it. I'll probably get, I, you know, I can't wait. <laughs> the Lord knows better than, than to tell me stuff ahead of time. You know, when, you know, typically the Lord gives me the word for Sunday, somewhere around Friday or Sunday morning <laughs> on my way to church. He can't give it to me early because if he gave it to me on Thursday, I'd preach it Thursday night. <laughs> no, wait. That's Sunday's word. Not Thursday. I can't hold on to stuff. But um, um, next year is the year of the talent. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> the year of the talent. And we're going to be focusing on the parable of the talents. What next year is about is knowing what you have and multiplying it. Knowing what you have and multiplying it. Next year, you're going to learn how to identify exactly what you've got, and you're going to learn how to multiply it. The year of the talent, being faithful with what you've got and multiplying it. That is what next year is all about. And multiplying it, we're going to adopt a kingdom mindset. We've got to transcend the mere church mentality. The church, the true church of Jesus Christ, is an instrument of the kingdom of God. But the church without the kingdom is a club. Somebody told me recently about a pastor who, uh, Napoleon Kaufman was telling me that a pastor friend of his called him up on the phone last couple weeks ago and said, the church asked me to resign. He said, why? He said, one of the old church mothers came to me and said, brother, we're going to have to let you go because if you stay and keep preaching, this church is going to grow and we don't want it to grow. Somebody might take my seat. Somebody said to me, I like a small, I like a nice little church. Because that way I can know everybody. Yeah, that's God's priority. Forget the fact that people are going to hell. He just wants you to know everybody. <laughs> that way the church can revolve around your social calendar. And that's really what God wants. <laughs> 
But if we adopt a kingdom mentality, we transcend all of the smallness. The church does not exist for itself. It does not even exist for its own survival. Our survival is not the priority. We are expendable for the sake of the kingdom. That's why we go to dangerous places. Because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about God. What do you want? Listen, God has one agenda in these last days. And everything he does falls into that agenda somehow. His intent is in the latter days to bring everything under one head, even Christ. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, reigning, and God the Father is bringing all enemies under his feet, meaning everything is being subjected to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom agenda. The church fits into it and is a part of it and is given participation in it. The agenda is not the programs of the church, the kind of music we like, Somebody said to me one time, yeah, I had to leave that church. I said, why'd you leave that church? She said, because they weren't doing my worship anymore. I said, your worship? She said, yeah, you know, the kind of music I like. They weren't doing my worship anymore. I said, that's the problem. You're looking for your worship instead of God's. Because if it's about you, it cannot simultaneously be about God and about you at the same time. It's one or the other. God forbid that we should ever start doing my worship at this church. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. You got it. But I wanted to just kind of lay that out for you tonight. I have more clarity about what, what we're doing in this next season than I've ever had before in my life. We're going to be faithful with what God has given us. I feel an anointing for stewardship coming on this house God's given us 118 members. As of today, we have 118 members. I want to stand before God and say, of those you've given me, I've lost none of them. We are responsible. We are responsible before God. But you all share that responsibility with me and my wife. That's why you're here. You're here to share that responsibility. And that means you've got to learn to carry the house in your heart the way we do. And how do you do that? You show up ready to minister. You show up ready to prophesy. You show up ready to preach, ready to pray, ready to lay hands, ready to pour out. You get in the word and get something every day. Not just enough to get, no more of a consumption mentality. Not just consuming the word for yourself. You got to get something to give. You're pre- I want you to start preparing to preach. Amen? Amen. 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 Yes. I'm excited. We got it. Okay. See, my leadership meetings are quick. Everybody stand up one more time. Father, I thank you for the leaders of this house, for those who were able to be here and those who were not able to be here. I speak blessing and encouragement over each one. Strengthen, encourage. And Father, thank you, God, for vision. Thank you that you've given us great vision. Thank you that you've given us great encouragement. Thank you that you've given us great strength and that you've given us great joy. 
We speak your blessing over each and every one. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.